Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah. Jordan, the tailback in the game. He's got it. That's Ty Jordan. His touchdown runs against Washington State. We all woke up to the news Saturday morning. The Texas Police Department said they responded to a call at 8.38 Friday. By 1 a.m., he'd been pronounced dead. And the Denton police said following preliminary investigation, they do believe it was an accidental shooting where he accidentally shot himself. PK, we talked about this on TV. And, you know, the older you get, the more likely you are to know someone who passed away as a teenager, a young adult, and uh, you've probably been to one of those funerals at some point in your life, and some people listen to this, maybe they've been to more than one of them, and there is really nothing you can say. There's no way really to explain this stuff and to comfort people. It's, uh, it's brutal, and it was brutal when we saw this news on Twitter Saturday morning. Oh, for sure, yeah. I and mean, there's nothing more that I could say beyond that individually. This is a tremendous loss for everyone involved. Whether you're a fan, obviously, if you have a personal relationship with the young man, if you're a family member, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, as you're talking about, uh, when I was 12 years old, one of my best buddies died, and I was a pallbearer. And it was it was just awful, man. It stuck with me for all these years, and uh, your heart goes out to folks who had any involvement. I All I did was just interview him on Zoom calls. Right. Uh, but what a talent. As far as a football player, we all saw the talent. And to know that that got cut short, it's about as tragic as it gets. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Snap. Spot. It's blocked. The Flames have won. The Flames have won. Block kick. And Liberty celebrates in Orlando. 37-34 on the blocked field goal in overtime. Hashtag beat Coastal. So Coastal Carolina's perfect season ends in most bizarre fashion with a blocked field goal in overtime. It felt like they kind of cheated defeat there at the uh, at the end of regulation but then they get beat in overtime so the team that ruined BYU's perfect season now has their own undefeated season ruined as well and we had that Coastal Carolina announcer on the air uh, that wasn't him there that was a different call but uh, he was telling us that because Liberty was a the team they were supposed to play that week when they played BYU and he's telling us how they'd had a great rivalry with uh, Liberty when they were in the the championship subdivision are looking forward to the game and now they get it and go down yeah the idea of uh, that being a robbery was not anything that i had any knowledge of going into the season and now i do for that very reason and so i was watching the end of that game and, and obviously with the uh, liberty guys fumbling on the goal line i'm not sure what was going on there and <laughs> then they blocked uh, the field goal the temple it's just incredible it's fun to see the raw emotion i mean i couldn't care less who wins i know a bunch of byu fans I wanted Coastal Carolina to go, and uh, the announcer for BYU tweeted out Liberty three or four times, and it's hard to imagine being that age and being that into it, but nevertheless, uh, he is, and so uh, you got your revenge if that's what you were looking for, And but what a way to end the game. It was just uh, two things there in regulation and then in the overtime period. It was absolutely phenomenal in terms of entertainment, which is all I'm looking for when I turn on a game. So we've all wondered how this super senior year is going to to work for rosters. And certainly we've heard the local coaches talk about it. Kyle's talked about it uh, at length. And we have his availabilities on the air because all the season they were at 830 in the morning. And uh, we're starting to get a little example. We, we know the seniors who can go to the NFL are going to go to the NFL and make money. And, and the guys who are seniors who can't play have already heard people say things like, well, you can't get on the field for five years. What the heck are we going to have you back for a sixth? 
someone's going to have to have a hard conversation. But there is a group of players who are in the sweet spot where they're not ready for the NFL, but they're contributing. And the Miami's, uh, Miami's quarterback, De'Ara King, is going to return for another season with the Canes and Coral Gables. And so he was a grad transfer from Houston, and so he's going to take advantage of that sixth-year senior. I guess the question now, PK, is uh, how many players are going to do that, how the coach is going to accommodate him, and for our local teams, exactly which players will that be? Well, they'll start to come out now in the next couple of weeks. Uh, overnight, uh, a defensive back for the Sun Devils, a guy named Jack Jones, uh, he has decided he's going to stay. He's a player. He's all-conference caliber. I mean, that means far more than some kid from Miami relative to uh, the Utes. So that's another kid. And, yeah, I would think there'd, there'd be some. Probably not a lot, but some will. And, and uh doesn't mean that they won't be difference makers. I'm not sure I buy that theory that they don't have the opportunity to be difference makers. Music City Bowl set for Wednesday, Missouri and Iowa. That's been canceled. Tigers shut down all team activities through January 2nd. They had an increase in positive tests in their program, so that game's off. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Handoff goes to Kamara, looking for space on the right side towards the goal line. Touchdown, Alvin Kamara. Mama, there go that man again. Brady looks, looks, fires a shot toward the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. It is caught by Antonio Brown, a defender on him. He's got a touchdown grabbing two games in a row now. All the sound pick is up, and it's good. Got it. It's good. It's all good. Are going to win this game with one second. Throws out to Eckler. He's got the first down yarders. Pushes to the end zone. Touchdown, Chargers. And with that pass, Herbert has set a new rookie record for touchdown passes in a season with his 28. Rodgers takes, fakes to Dillon. Rodgers, lots of time. Still waiting. Throws, middle end zone. Touchdown. Yes, Devontae Adams. Wide open. And the Packers answer the Titans. So there's some highlights from a weekend full of action with games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And, of course, we'll have another game tonight. The Patriots and the Bills are playing. It started with Alvin Kamara and PK. You know, you do this and you get into sports and you think you know what's coming and you think you expect it. But I got to tell you, I got a surprise. After he goes off for six touchdowns on Friday, I get in the car and one of the national shows is on. And I hear a guy, I hear a guy talking about Ernie Nevers, and all of a sudden they're getting into stuff that happened in the 20s and 30s. Now, when you turn on sports talk radio, and you don't just listen in this market, you listen to sports talk radio in other markets. Uh, when you're at the gym, you especially you listen to Arizona, but you've listened to other stations. Like, how often do you expect to hear guys breaking down anything from 85, 90, 95 years ago? I mean, that was that was really bizarro. I guess, timely, I guess, but totally bizarre. Wouldn't be me, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, that stuff really doesn't float my boat in terms of these records and all that stuff. I mean, what does it mean? I'm interested in winning. Personal records really don't fly for me, and I certainly wouldn't. I didn't even know the NFL existed in the 20s and 30s. I thought it was more in the 40s. Yeah, Ernie Nevers uh, played in the late 20s and early 30s. So there you go. I've never heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) Alvin Kamara with the six rushing touchdowns. Now New Orleans to the winning part of this with their blood of Minnesota. Right now they're sitting as the two seed, but they could be one or three. So who they match up with, do they get a first round bye, all that stuff at stake uh, as the season ends. The Packers last night, with the exception of one possession on either side of halftime when the Titans went from down 19 nothing to back in the game in 1914. The Packers dominated. They end up winning 40-14. to 14. Uh, In the snow, frozen tundra, all that stuff in Green Bay. And so the Packers uh, can still be the one seed as they route Tennessee. And Seattle beat the Rams in a total defensive struggle. A former Ute, Matt Gay, with three field goals for the Rams. They never got in the end zone and ended up losing 20-9. So Seattle wins their division. All those teams battling and sort out who's one, who's two, and who's three uh, next week in the last week of the season. Yeah, and that's the way it should be. That just adds to the... Enjoyment and the what the intriguement, which is in a word, I understand that 
uh, of the uh, final week of the season. I mean, the Packers looked absolutely awesome. I thought they were most impressive. It was the biggest win of the extended weekend, and Aaron Rodgers is running away with it. The best thing that the Packers did was draft that <laughs> Utah State quarterback. I mean, there's just no question about it, man. He's so His numbers are just incredible, and I realize it's a passing league now, so numbers are more incredible than they were back when uh, Gail Devers played or whoever. Ernie Nevers, Gail Devers. Uh, uh, so, or Gail Sayers, you name yeah. you know, whoever. And uh, so you're going to have somewhat inflated if you can compare. But nevertheless, Aaron Rodgers is just on top of his game. And for those who are upset and think it was wrong to draft Jordan Love, no, it wasn't. It was the absolute right thing to do. Yeah, regardless of what Jordan Love does with his career, <laughs> the motivation it's provided Aaron Rodgers this year is uh, it's they're putting his numbers up on the screen, and it's yeah. uh, it's beyond video game stuff. Seventy percent of your completions, you complete seventy percent of your passes, not like rounding up seventy point three. He's over. That is unbelievably good, and forty four touchdowns now, and only five interceptions. That is also just excellent. And you know the numbers when they with the rule changes and the style changes in the game. So comparing across the generations, but you compare him to his peers, who does this? Well, all I can say is he is the next Zach Wilson. Oh, wow. Look at you. Nice. Uh, on the subject of winning, how about the Steelers, who start 11-0, lose three in a row, and were well on their way to losing a fourth straight game. They are down 24-7 to the Colts, and they go down and get stopped. Goal line stand by the Colts in the middle of the third quarter, and you're thinking, this is crazy, man. The Steelers are going to lose four in a row. The Colts are going to have the same record as the Steelers when this thing is over. And the Steelers scores touchdowns on the next three possessions. Boom, boom, boom. Rivers throws a pick late when they got to midfield, and that's the game. The Steelers get out of there with a win, and they are set up to be either the – they've won the division, and now they'll be either the, the two or three seed. They don't have the tiebreaker with Buffalo because they lost to the Bills head-to-head. Uh, KC locked up the one seed. But the Steelers, maybe they righted the ship there, PK. Maybe they, they pulled it together. Now we'll all watch going forward to see if that's true or if that was a one-off. Well, the Steelers are going to be defined by playoff success so or failure whatever it might be, so we'll, we'll know next month. Uh, the Chiefs have a weird deal going. They're 14-1. and one. They've clinched the one seed, but they've now played a half-dozen one-possession games. It was a three-point game. Atlanta misses a late field goal. It was uh, There were two lead changes in the last five minutes, and there was almost a third. You can't emphasize how close KC came in to lose this game, but that's what they've been doing for six weeks, sometimes against good teams, sometimes against lousy teams. They've uh, they've eked out wins over the Broncos and the Panthers in this stretch, but they've beaten some good teams too. They keep winning. Uh, If you watch the game, it doesn't look great, but then you look at the record, and they're defending Super Bowl champs, and they're 14-1. and And like you just said, uh, here's another team that's going to be defined by what they do in the postseason. Yeah, that's that's the way it should be. That's what you want. So the NFC East, your division, is going to have a, a, a champion with a losing record that's guaranteed after Washington lost to Carolina. Uh, Alex Smith didn't start. They're 4-2 when he starts, and they're 2-7 when he doesn't. So i got to wonder if uh, they're going to get him back there in Philadelphia trying to clinch the division next week. If they don't, then it's the winner. Of the, if they lose, then the Cowboys-Giants winner wins the division. So. Go Cowboys, huh? <laughs> you know, they could win the division at 7-9 and nine with a catastrophic in- season-ending injury to their star quarterback. In a weird way, I, I mean, I guess you'd feel good about that. You know, you salvage something out of it. You make the playoffs. I mean, that's the goal. Right. Uh, Ravens look like they're going to make the playoffs now. They got their 10th win. They've been on the outside looking in, but Cleveland missing a lot of players. I think it was at least eight to COVID, whether they had it or they were sidelined for the testing. They, were, they weren't playing. A couple linebackers, a couple offensive linemen, and, and uh, four wide receivers, including their top two receivers. And they almost rallied. They were way down against the Jets. They got to 23-16, and they they fumble, a, they fumble the ball on a quarterback sneak at the Jet 15 going in on a fourth and one. So they lose, and the Ravens win, and now the Ravens, all they got to do is beat the Bengals next week. They need a little help, and they got it. They, they're set up. They, they should get in. Great. All right, there are multiple NFL franchises inquiring. Urban Meyer, hey, 
You want to do an interview? Well, you want a head coaching job? You want to work in the NFL? Meyer said to be evaluating his options. According to reports, he will make a decision soon on his future. I just don't see him as an NFL coach, PK. I mean, the guy is so uh, so uh, dominant, I think, and telling people how to do things and demanding stuff, and it just feels like that's going to wear out on pros pretty quick. Well, what's pretty quick? If you get five years and you win big, you'll take it. I mean, Bill Parcells did that, and he moved around. Yeah, at but the end, him. Yeah. People would take it. So uh, as long as you win, uh, that's really all they care about. Are you going to win? And, you know, like J.J. Watt and his impassioned plea yesterday uh, after the uh, Texans lost, I thought it was awesome. He swore a couple times, but BFD. I mean, if you're not willing to come here and give everything you have, then do I really want you in the first place? And and, uh, that was about a a two-minute thing. If you haven't heard J.J. Watt talk, Go, I'm sure you can go on social media and find it after the game. because And they called it a rant. I didn't really think it was a rant. I just thought it was him expressing himself. Every time you express yourself, it doesn't necessarily have to be a rant. A rant, to me, is something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense and you're all over the place. J.J. Watt wasn't. As far as Urban Meyer, yeah, I think he could win. I'm not going to put... I would not put it past Urban Meyer to do anything. And I'm sure part of it is the attention and being loved up because uh, no one's really coming after you anymore and you're not the center of the universe the way you've been for so many years. So he probably enjoys that. But, man, absolutely I can see him be successful at, at the NFL level. Have to change his offense. He likes to run the quarterbacks a lot. That'll get quarterbacks beat up pretty fast in the NFL. That seems like another thing that's got to be addressed. He's got to figure it out. And as far as the uh, J.J. Watt thing, uh, we ran the entire thing on uh, on Channel 2 last night. His whole thing about the fans and they buy our jerseys and they had so yeah. much money and so much yeah. time. And we got to right. show up on time. Man, I want to know what's going on behind the scenes in Houston. Is Clearly, well, people are showing up. Yeah, they're losing. That's one. And he mentioned that multiple times. But when he starts talking about showing up on time for practice and uh, showing up on time in the building, you know, and, and watching the film and all that stuff, and then going out and showing up on time for practice. Sounds like things have gotten pretty loose behind the scenes in Houston. Well, and, and I think showing up on time is imperative. And, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. You may have a legitimate reason. But I think it's so rude. If you're going to start a Zoom meeting at 10 o'clock, you start it at 10 o'clock. You don't wait seven minutes. Or if you start it, you don't recap it for the people who come in late. That's my rant. My time is no less valuable than your time. And unless you got a legitimate, if you had a flat tire or something, who knows, any number of reasons that could happen. But I agree with him on that. Showing up on time is uh, the, is very, very responsible because everybody else is doing it. And who the crap are you not to do it? The Rams believe that Jared Goff suffered a broken and dislocated thumb in that loss to Seattle that decided the NFC West yesterday. Goff's going to try to play through it, put off the surgery. Rams can still make the playoffs. They're playing the Cardinals. The winner of that game should be in. The loser of that game could be in trouble based on what happens with the Bears and the Packers. It's kind of three teams for two spots there at the end of the uh, wild card lineup. So we'll see how that shakes out. And uh, Goff could be uh, pretty limited, but he's going to try to go. DJ and PK. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Offensive rebound. He's tapped out from Towns to Culver. Now Ricky with it. Back to JC. Left angle three on the way. He got it. Jared Culver with his third three of the game. 9-12 left to go in the game as Ant attacks down the lane, runs it up off the glass and banks it in for two. He scored that over Derek Favors. Towns on a post up against Favors. Works him into the paint. Off balance. Leaner with the right hand. No. Tip follow. Yes for Carl. Minnesota was the more aggressive team. You know, I, I thought in the first half, they just, they ran, they defended, and we didn't do either of those things, and that's why we gave up, you know, a 68-point quarter. Our offense hurt our defense, and they played in the full court. We've been defending, and we've been running, and if we don't do those two things, it makes for a long night for us. It makes things very much uphill. That is Quinn Snyder, and if you didn't listen, we just replayed the... Uh, 
in the best of post game show in the last segment. Uh, that's what he said. Uh, as the PR person started to lead the question, he said, no, I got something I want to say. The, the question sessions are getting really short. Uh, some of them are getting cut off after three and four questions, and he wanted to make sure he said that, PK. The end of the first half, when they were giving up a uh, fast breaks after made baskets, they, gave up a, they had a really soft turnover, and then that gave up a dunk, and then Joe Ingles went and got a layup and a pick and roll, and Minnesota just blew by the Jazz, all five Jazz guys, got in the paint and kicked it out for a three. And <clears throat> Quinn Snyder's not on TV at that point. Minnesota's shooting at the other end of the floor. But that's the kind of stuff. You can't see it, but when you hear his voice after the game, that really irritates him. <laughs> it just really irritates him. Sorry, Madeline, I got something I want to say. Boom, and you let it rip. Oh, yeah, I mean, you got something you want to say. By all means, say it. You're the coach, and... When he does that, when anybody does that, just to add to the level of urgency and importance and how he wants to make public note of it so everybody knows, that's sort of like what J.J. Watt did. It's a much more of a curtailed, less dramatic version of that, but he's speaking from the heart. It's something that he wants out there, and it's something that they have to improve. And and I don't want to go crazy because it's his game too, but it was a disappointing game. Totally winnable. You know, we talk all the time about the schedule in the NBA, and it creates some wins and some losses. When you get to play at home, that should be an advantage. When you get to play a team from the bottom half of the league, of course you can lose. Happens all the time. But when you're playing a team from the bottom half of the league, if you think you're in the top half of the league, you ought to win. So when you have those two things going for you, team from the bottom half of the league at home and two days rest getting ready for it, it's got to be a W. And it wasn't. Yep. So he's, he's thinking all that going into it, and they're down 15 at halftime because Minnesota's running by him after the Jazz score a hoop. And the Jazz are turning the ball over real soft turnovers multiple times near half court. Layups and dunks going the other way and free throws going the other way for Minnesota. It's driving him nuts. So the Jazz looked awesome blowing out Portland and then looked horrible losing to Minnesota. It was two completely different performances. Uh, we'll get to that coming up. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns, by the way, fell late in that game, looked like he was hurt, and then he tried to stay in and play, but then he couldn't play against the Lakers. So uh, he's dislocated left wrist. Now he's going to miss multiple games. Jazz back on the road, Oklahoma City, playing the Thunder. Tonight, 6 o'clock, you'll hear the game right here on The Zone. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe, 5 o'clock with the pregame show. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. The Mavericks, after getting humbled by the Lakers on Friday night, come out and do a number on the Clippers, who had gotten off to a tremendous start. Yes, no Kawhi Leonard today. I don't know that that would have made a whole lot more difference. The Mavericks were letter-perfect, Brad, in a 124-73 to annihilation. I take full responsibility. You know, it's a tough game coming from Christmas. You know, I enjoyed my Christmas day. I enjoyed my Christmas day yesterday. Today just popped up on me a little too fast. I'll take full ownership of that, coming out and being prepared to play today. It'll be a different situation come uh, next game, and, you know, we'll be ready. Make sure um, our group will be ready. That's Paul George after the Clippers suffer a historically hideous loss, down by 50 at halftime in the shot clock era. It hadn't happened until it happened to the Clippers, and they get worked by the Mavs. No Kawhi Leonard. He caught an elbow from Serge Ibaka and had eight stitches in his mouth, and they give him the day off. And then the whole team took the day off, PK. Down by 50 at halftime. That's that's a unique accomplishment right there. <laughs> a unique one, huh? Very unique. Nobody else has done it. Congrats. <laughs> uh, elsewhere in the NBA, the Warriors finally got a win. They've been off to a rough start. They beat the Bulls. Uh, Damian Lee hit a three with 1.7 seconds left to give the Warriors the 129-128 win. Golden State for a W. And the Lakers destroyed the Timberwolves. No Carl Anthony Towns. Kyle Kuzma went for 20 in the blowout. Came out hot. Hit three threes early. Got the Lakers rolling. And they just kept rolling. They beat them right from the opening get-go. Who'd they beat? Lakers beat the Wolves right after the Wolves beat the Jazz. Ah, uh, no Carl Anthony, huh? No Carl Anthony Towns with the wrist. Uh, Cavaliers blowing out the Sixers by 22 points. If you're looking for an odd-looking score, that was weird. There have been a few of that, a few of these uh, early this year, PK. Well, I looked at that, and of course, Embiid didn't play. Yep. 
Uh, Warriors lost Marquise Chris. Broken fibula, expected to miss the rest of the season. Got hurt in practice. Timeline for his surgery coming up this week. Uh, there you go. Another season-ending loss there for the Warriors. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Blake Snell, American League Cy Young Award winner in 2018, traded by Tampa Bay for four prospects, sent to the Padres. He's under contract for three more years and $39 million. Now, the Padres uh, minor league organization, we've been talking about it for, I don't know, at least, what, at least two, no, probably three years. They've been saying how good their organization is, and they dip into that list of prospects to get the former Cy Young Award winner who while not putting up those dominant numbers again, was last seen in the World Series getting controversially pulled from the game and the Dodgers come back and win the series and that's all the big talk. Should he have stayed in or should he have come out? So how much does Snell change the National League West race? Because the National League West race hasn't changed for a while now. The Dodgers are winning it year after year after year. Well, you don't have to win any division to win the World Series. So the whole goal is to win the World Series, and this makes the Padres a much better team in terms of winning that. They don't have to catch the Dodgers. If they should play the Dodgers in the postseason, they're going to have to beat them. So uh, over 162 or however many games we play, uh, I'm not sure that it's going to make up that difference if you're looking to catch the Dodgers. But when you get in a short playoff series, if you have an ace, that is something that you really, really want. The other baseball news, Phil Necro, Hall of Famer, passes away in his sleep. He had been battling cancer. He was 81 years old. Had all the big numbers, PK, 300 wins. Only had 318 of them. Pitched for 24 years. He is the seventh baseball Hall of Famer to pass away in 2020. And a uh, story I read online, uh, ESPN had a thing from a baseball Hall of Fame spokesperson that uh, seven Hall of Famers dying in one year. That's the most ever in one year. Just huge names. And Tom Seaver was one of them in the Hall of Famers. So, of course, they're going to be huge names, right? Yep. All right, we got another uh, elite pitcher coming over from Japan. This time, the Texas Rangers getting their guy with a two-year contract for Kohei Arihara. 60-50 and 50 in Japan, 125 starts, Pacific leading 15 wins in 2019. Can he do it in the U.S.? How long have pitchers from Japan been coming over now? Is this like a 20-year trend? Uh, I'd say probably 25, 30. 25, in. And the Washington Nationals traded for Pittsburgh Pirates first baseman Josh Bell. Former All-Star. He's 28 years old. Uh, been some up-and-down numbers in his career. PK, you think change of uh, scenery gets him back to All-Star status? Well, the All-Star thing is that, you know, each team has to have a representative. It's a dumb rule that baseball has, so I don't know that he is an all-star based on what we view as all-stars, but he's an upgrade over what the Nationals have at first base after Zimmerman uh, stepped away. So uh, Josh Bell is an improvement, and that's what you're looking to improve your team, Um, and I think the Nationals did. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up this morning, Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, will join us at 8.30. Talk about the Jazz game tonight with Oklahoma City. And then Steve Cleveland at 9 o'clock. He's back after an incredibly short offseason. Our basketball insider. We can talk to him about the Jazz and the NBA and also college hoops. Gonzaga with another dominating win this weekend. They just keep looking awesome. We'll talk with Steve coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, your feedback on the Jazz and the two completely different performances they've turned in in the first two games. And we'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. David Locke talking about Rudy's extension. It's a franchise-changing moment that we know they're going to be good now for four or five more years. It's an incredible concept because being good, despite what probably Jazz fans think, is incredibly difficult in this league. And once you're bad, it's even more difficult. Almost impossible. Yes, there's an argument that we overpaid for Rudy. I'm glad we did because now we know we're going to be good. And being good begets being good. I was really nervous because sometimes I think negotiations are hard when everything 
everyone's right. I just think it's a great sign of lack of hubris on everyone's part to get that deal done. It's a great sign of where we're headed. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast, brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Get 0% financing for up to 72 months, plus a $2,500 purchase allowance on a new 2021 XT4, XT5, or XT6. Shop your way at Jerry Signer Cadillac. Well, PK, we had the four days off over Christmas, so we did not speak of either of the first two Jazz games. And... I know we're told not to get too high or too low, but now that we have to do uh, analyze both games at the same time, I can't imagine the Jazz fans were any other way after these first two games. And it's the first two of 72. It's not as long a slog as it usually is, but it's still, that's a lot of games. But, man, they looked so good in the first game, and they looked so bad in the second game. I know, I know fans, don't ride the roller coaster. Don't get too high or too low. But how do you not? Oh, it depends on what your level of investment is. For me, it's very easy, uh, but for others who are deeply invested, it's it's a little bit different. I'm I don't make a big deal out of it because I think a lot of it comes down to uh, making shots. And I don't think when Quinn Snyder goes on his post game stuff, he can say, "Yeah, you know, I'm just not going to sweat this. We didn't make shots." And that is something that, uh, you know, over time we're going to make enough shots to be really good. Because he can't say that. He has to hammer the effort. He has to hammer the defense. Uh, and he, I don't have any problem doing it with him doing that, but it's the same message over and over each time they lose. It's really no different. He doesn't change that much. And you look at that great game against Portland. Well, Damian Lillard had he arguably he could have had the worst game that he's going to have all season, right? I don't even know he had scored by halftime, which yeah, is just yeah. highly unusual. And you know, Portland. My knock on them is I can look at the shooting percentages of their two starting guards and tell you what percentage they had a chance to win. And I would probably come really, really close to it. Those two need to make shots. And Lillard didn't make shots. And conversely, the Jazz did. And so it's a blowout. And they looked really sharp. The ball was moving. Everything was clicking for them. And that was great. How much of that was the defense that Lillard wasn't making shots? Is he defendable in terms of forcing him to make shots? You can force him to take contested shots, which could then lead to more missed shots. But was the Jazz defense just that stellar to Damian Lillard did not score any points in the first half? I would have bet everything in the world if you would have said, hey, you want to make a bet where if Lillard has zero points, you give us 100000 and we'll give you $10 million. I would have taken that <laughs> every time. But yet it didn't happen. It's crazy, right? And so then you come out here. Now, I'm not, com- I'm not comparing the Jazz loss or pinning the Jazz loss exclusively on that they didn't make shots. Because Quinn Snyder is right in the stuff that he was saying. As I was watching that, it's jumping off the TV screen as I'm watching it. So I get it, and I understand exactly where he's coming from, and that needs to improve. But at the same time, you look at Mitchell and Bogdanovich, how many games are they going to stink like that in terms of making shots? Probably not very many. And if it does happen, the chances of them losing – it's a very, very high probability. That's where I find perspective in this, knowing that the stuff that Quinn Snyder is saying, yes, must be improved, and it needs to be improved starting tonight against Oklahoma City. Uh, the data that uh, coaches have available, I think, has gotten to the point that is just overwhelming. There's all kinds of stuff out there. But I think one of the numbers that uh, we both wish was in box scores is what percentage of the shots were contested. And... I'm sure you can dig it up, and I'm sure David Locke knows exactly the five best websites to go to to find those numbers. Um, But just the eyeball test is that Lillard took a lot of contested shots. But for decades, we have listened to NBA people, including Jerry Sloan sitting in this very arena, saying, you don't stop so-and-so, fill in the name of the blank of the star. You know, if they're on, they're on, they're going to get you. Jeremy Lin. you You have to contest the shots. I thought the Jazz contested them against Portland, and then they were fortunate that Lillard wasn't red hot because he can make a series of contested shots if he's feeling it. He didn't in that game. And, you know, you're going to get a certain amount of open looks, and you hope a guy isn't hot. 
Um, and you hope he misses the open looks he gets. And I thought that happened with Bogdanovich. I thought he actually got some really good looks, and they didn't go. And, you know, right. if, you, if you make a few more of those, then you get away with all these other mistakes. You never play a perfect game. But it's accentuated when you're down 10 or you're down 15 or whatever, and you have an open shot, and then you miss it. Now, you know, if you've been shooting some contested shots, and if you're down, then it's a little harder to make that open look. Uh, but they were missing open looks early in the game before it really got out of hand. So certainly the ability to make shots was a problem. Uh, but so was the other stuff, getting beaten transition and, you know, the turnovers. Uh, you know, David Locke hit us. We both remembered. I had never heard people. I'd heard people talk about turnovers, you know, live ball versus dead ball. But Locke was saying that, you know, obviously a travel call doesn't give you a chance to run a fast break the way a bad pass does. But a bad pass that goes out of bounds gives you a chance to get set up. But then Locke broke it down even more and said, hey, if you lose the ball under the hoop, they got to go 90 feet. If you lose the ball beyond the top of the key, Rudy's not getting back to block that shot. You know, that's just, that's a giveaway, and that's two points going the other way. Five references to Locke here in the first uh, segment at 7.30. Yes, we've talked basketball with him so much, I hear his voice rattling around my brain. But I'll give you five Majerus references next, and I'll follow it up with five Sloan references. A major influence on you, which makes sense because he's a numbers guy. Uh, I'm more of an effort guy. I don't need to know percentages. I see what I see. And those percentages only back it up. Plus, the great thing about it is I don't have to do the legwork. I'll let you two do it. <laughs> I don't have to do it. I let Locke do it. Uh, we got a lot of people posting on Facebook here. Uh, Nick says, yeah, it happened to the Jazz. The same way the Knicks are beating the Bucks right now. Sometimes bleep just happens. Okay, tell that to Quinn Snyder then. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't sweat. Sometimes it just happens. Uh, Donald, watching the Clippers play today, it could be worse. Laughing, crying emoji. Yeah, well, uh, that that's how you're going to evaluate your team. Compare them to somebody else who's sucking. We're not sucking as bad, so look at us. That's not going to get you anywhere. It really isn't. Josh says, ball didn't go in the hoop. The classics. Actually, it did. It went in at a high level just for the other team. Tony says zero intensity until five minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was deja vu all over again. I actually thought that uh, the zero intensity through the first half, I thought uh, Conley came out trying to make stuff happen to third, start the third quarter. And I thought Donovan, there, there must have been – Something said in a timeout that got him or something clicked somehow because I thought it was noticeable how much more he started driving to the hoop in the last three or four minutes of the third quarter. Oh, yeah, the game was getting away. Yeah. You needed to win, and you needed to – this is the best way to go win it right now. So clearly he had a a greater sense of urgency. I think he has one most of the time anyway, but sometimes you have more. And he saw that the game was slipping away. They needed to do something, so go ahead and do it. Uh, I don't know that you can play with that high level of intensity for 72. Uh, But as I said on television, to me, that's a great sign for him. uh, Well, I need to turn it on and I'm going to I'm going to take these shots earlier in the game and I'm not hitting them, but I'm still going to take them because that means you have confidence that they're going to go in. The last thing I want is some hesitant especially for your team leader, at least your team leader offensively, to have any hesitancy on taking shots. That's That would literally be the last thing that I would want out of my star offensive player to have him have some form of hesitancy, even if he's 0 for 10. If that 11th shot, if it's a good shot, and it's you know sometimes you need to take shots against a shot clock and whatnot. They're not as good as others. But if it's a good shot for him to have hesitancy, no. That's the worst thing that can happen. Even if he misses it, I still want him taking the shot with complete and total confidence that it's going to go in. Because you look at the baddest you-know-whats in the history of this league, and they exuded that to the nth degree, and that's confidence, cockiness, those types of things. And so go ahead and take them. If you make them, it's, uh, well, that's what you're supposed to do. But the last thing I want him to do is just to have hesitancy and pass it up. So I'm absolutely fine with him. There may be some other guys that I'm not as uh, strong about. But your offensive leader, because let's face it, 
this team is going to go as far as Mitchell is going to lead them from the offensive standpoint. He's their beast, right? So -hmm. you don't want him to be hesitant there. And then if he feels like, okay, I need to make things happen a little bit more, take it to the basket, that type of thing, go ahead and do it, which is what he did. Reggie Miller, just to the point you just made about – you know, you got to take him and you got to miss him. And that's what the, the baddest guys in the history of the game have done. Reggie Miller told a story on TV once about, uh, I don't know what game he was calling, but some star was not scoring and not shooting enough for Reggie. And he told the story that when Larry Bird was brand new in Indiana, Reggie was 0 for 6 at halftime and Larry got into him in front of everybody. And he said, hey, I'm just missing shots. He goes, yeah, but you're not in the game. If you're into the game, you'd be 0 for 12. You're the guy. You got to shoot. And if you're over 12, you're over 12. You got to shoot. And Mitchell is the guy for the Jazz. No one would argue that. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More on the Jazz coming up with Bowler at 830. Uh, a little Pac-12 football as the uh, coaching carousel turns. We'll tell you about that coming up, and we'll do that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Zach Wilson has proven everything that he needs to prove at the college level, and it is time to go to the NFL. I don't care what COVID did to this year's schedule. I don't care that they didn't play a single Power 5 conference team this year. I don't care that they didn't play the University of Utah and he didn't get another shot at his rival. And I don't even care if he falls into the second round. It doesn't matter to me. When he's putting his name on that contract, he has proven everything that he needed to prove at the college level. In fact, the only thing Zach Wilson can do right now is hurt his stock by staying in college football. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. So, PK, in addition to having David Locke's stuff rattling around in my head when I'm watching the NBA, when I'm reading up on college football, I got your voice rattling around in my head. I'm clicking on a story, well, multiple stories actually, about Arizona's new football coach, Jed Fish. And he's, uh, some of the stuff's interesting to build a staff. He may take uh, take a guy off the UCLA staff because he's worked with him in the past a couple times and he likes him. And there's stuff about, you know, Arizona's got four scholarship quarterbacks, but two of them, including Grant Gunnell, the starter, uh, are into the portal. So they're probably gone. And, and well, he's, uh, Gunnell's going to Memphis. He already announced it. Okay. And they've got two, um, no, excuse me, two. They've got uh, 10 or 11 scholarships available. Uh, even after they offered 16 to 17 guys, and then I see the quote, we got to do a better job of recruiting Arizona. <laughs> and he names Spencer Rattler, and he starts naming other people. And I'm like, well, oh, he's going to have to talk to PK. <laughs> yeah, good, good luck on that. I don't see where you're going to be able to do it. Your program isn't good enough. Uh, and unless you've been there and experienced that intense heat, you really don't know about it. My wife, she's got friends you know that she's known casually and they talk about oh i just love the heat it doesn't bother me yeah in when you go down in april or may (laughs) down there because in april and may explain to people what that means it's not a glorious 80 like it is in january or february you're starting to bake at at 100 95 100 105 right but you haven't gotten to 115 yet right to where at uh, 10 o'clock at night it's still 102 and it never, ever leaves. And kids want to get out. And I'm firmly convinced on that. They want to get out to try something different. And the programs in the state of Arizona haven't been good enough to demand that you stay. And that's the only way that you would keep it. Just literally demand. We are the king. You come here and we'll be playing for Rose Bowls and even beyond. Now, these two programs there haven't come close. Although you will see a monumental upset 
tonight by a program in Arizona because Gonzaga is hosting Northern Arizona, and you watch the Lumberjacks tonight. That's all I'm saying. We'll come back tomorrow and we'll talk about it. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, you look at it basketball, right? I mean, so the most of the kids have stayed. Now, most of them have gone to Tucson uh, because Lute Olson demanded that you stay home, at least in-state, right? It's only a couple hours away. And so they demanded that you stayed home. That, that, that's the same thing here uh, locally uh, because I think the, the schools, particularly BYU and Utah, have done a pretty good job of keeping kids in state, but there's been some studs who've left. And I think you have to demand that they stay because those studs have, by virtue of being studs, have all sorts of options, multiple, many, many options. And has either program really demanded that you stay? In some positions, yes. Uh, particularly, I'm looking at Utah uh, defensive line. Yes. As we talk about Ty Jordan and the tragedy there is that if you're a really good running back at Utah, what are you? You're an NFL guy. Uh, now, we haven't had in this state uh, – Big-time running backs. Am I missing, guys? We've had some good ones, but I'm talking really big-time that uh, can come in and right off the bat just be mm. superstars. Reno, Reno Mahe going back 20 wasn't years. wasn't really a running back, though. No, he he uh, he got moved around on what offense. So made his kid from Cottonwood? Who went, is he the kid, one kid went to Cal. Went to Cal. And who was the running back went to and USC? Stanley Havili is who yes. I was going to say. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and then both those guys were good. Uh, I mean, Havili played in the NFL, didn't he? Did Sofeli? I don't know if he did. Now, I think he ran for 1,000 in the camp. Har- Harvey Unga would be a good in-state he back had who had an excellent college. Harvey was excellent, yeah. yeah. Har- Har- Harvey Unga was, and he stayed home, yeah. They got him, absolutely. Uh, I'm looking more uh, with the Utes being in a Pac-12 now and BYU being independent because we're getting to the point now where we can't go back anymore to Mountain West whack days because so much has changed dramatically that it, you just sound like an old-timer if you start talking about Mountain West whack days. Uh, it's the what they're in now. So you have to demand that they stay. And you look at it, and you get these kids that go to Stanford. Six kids from Utah off their staff on the roster, and you know not every one of them is a stud. Well, you look at uh, Simi Fahogo and what he did in the last game. They're not they ended four and two. They didn't go to bowling, but what he did against UC Los Angeles what was like sixteen catches for two hundred yeah. plus yards. Yeah, I mean that is big time stud numbers man and i was watching that game and my wife taught see me so she has an interest of uh him taught him in junior high and so she knew him a little bit so we're watching the game and and the announcers are talking about man whoever the cornerback was they're having a battle tonight and i said no they're not (laughs) they're getting worked (laughs) they're getting worked (laughs) yeah this is not mono mono here (laughs) no this is domination by one side uh, and so, and at the time, BYU was changing coaching staffs, uh, so it was somewhat unfair to expect them on such a late notice to be able to get and pull that kid away from Stanford. But what about the Utes? You know, has has Utah demanded that a big time receiver stay in state? Only obviously the answer is no, right? Uh, well, nobody to see me Fajoko's level. That's for sure. I mean, and, and the thing is that he was that kind of off-the-charts guy in high school. It was no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. He was so much better than everybody else. Right, but are, are they demanding to where, it, when I say that, that you come here and because everything that you want to accomplish is going to be accomplished right here, and you'll be that ultimate hometown hero. And we had this discussion a couple of summers ago with Trevor Riley. You were out of town uh, doing maybe soccer or whatever, and he came in and, you know, he was insisting. He was following up on that Cahoon statement when Ben was an assistant at at BYU talking about, you know, if you plan to live in this community and you're from this community, this is where you should go to school. 
And Ben was even saying that it would be better for a Utah County kid, Salt Lake County too, whatever county, to stay here local than to go play for Stanford. And you think, wow, Stanford, come on, man. And Trevor Riley backed that up by saying, yeah, if you're going to be in this community, uh, you will end up being, uh, it will be much more beneficial for you to stay beyond. Now, it's not just a football decision. It's the opportunity and the connections and so forth. I think there's something to be said for that because the kids who are local and stay, seems like we know them. And now it's up to them to be able to cash in. Well, that should be getting easier, right, with name, image, and likeness? You wonder how much that will help local kids in, in a lot of markets, maybe not every market, but in a lot of markets, and certainly here, because... The really good high school football players here are known, and there is a track record of them doing well at the local schools. Not every one of them, but a lot of them. So you can see where businesses would want to align themselves and uh, kind of sponsor those guys and set them up pretty quickly. Freshman year. I don't know if you'll be out on the field yet, but we'll take a chance, you know, depending on the yeah, player and, then and the position. Yeah, that, that's not... That's not going to help you make enough money to support a family and all that stuff, I wouldn't think. But it can set you up in terms of making contacts going forward to when the next day comes. Now, some of these guys, you know, maybe they don't want it. You take a look at a a superstar, I mean, Hall of Fame caliber, like Kalodinata, lives in our community, but he lives relatively anonymously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, maybe he wants to be. I'm not sure. I, I well, the last time the Utes went up to Oregon, he was there. I was on the flight with him up to Oregon and the flight coming back. And he was with his kids and, and sitting there in the in the airport. Hardly anybody paid attention to him. Maybe that's the way he wants it to be. But if he was a local guy and played at BYU or Utah, uh, now he's probably made so much money that he doesn't make because he was an enormous talent, obviously. Yeah. But I'm just using it as a small example. Not everyone can be as good as that man was out on the football field. Obviously, he was a big-time stud. But is it better for the local kid, investment-wise, financially, for the next 40 years to stay local? Well, not unless that the program demands that he stays. And at certain positions in our staff, and certainly down in Arizona, any position, nobody is, neither program in the Pac-12 level is demanding that you stay, which is why so many of them leave. The quarterbacks, I texted you, the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 title game and the, and the Big 12 title game, all four of them are from the Phoenix area. There it is. Yeah, and in one of these stories, he was listing it off because uh, Arizona's new coach had uh, been recruiting Rattler when he was an eighth grader. You know, and the yeah, coach, has, coach has moved around now, and you know he's obviously in the NFL now. But uh, yeah, it's like we can get that guy. I'm looking forward to talking to him. Hopefully, we have Pac-12 Media Day down in Arizona because he attended the same high school in New Jersey as my sister. He's a Jersey guy through and through. Jersey guy in Arizona is that going to work? That's why remember, I got out because it it didn't work for me. <laughs> no, but remember you had the uh, the New York coach who went to New Mexico. Oh, for sure, put him in yeah. ca- cowboy boots. That didn't work. <laughs> well, but Fraschilla was exclusively a New York guy. Fisher has moved around. He has. I mean, he's, he's been co- he's been at UCLA, right? So yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Craig Bolojack coming up at 8.30. Steve Cleveland at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.